Hello, and welcome to Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the filler grain, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. I still don't know what you're saying. The filler grain. <laughs> nope. Yep. Okay. It's, it's one of the items that I have on my list. It's one of the things that came up in an episode that I said, you know what, I'm going to call you this one time, and I put it on the list, and it's the first time I've consulted the list in a very, very long time, because I usually come up with them on the fly, which is why they're not that good. So on on this week's episode, my idol lives on. We hop on the runaway garbage truck on fire with more DCEU news. We lead up to the Oscars, all before diving into our flick of the week, Lady Bird. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking Jack's Abbey Craft Lager, Red Tape Amber Lager. Um, Those of you who have been listening know that we drank a Jack's Abbey a couple weeks ago. The uh, IPL, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, now we're going to drink a different one because we like that one so much. Cheers. Cheers. Very thirsty. Mm. Yeah, I think this place makes some good beer. I think that's just a, it's just a given at this point. Well, I will try and secure a few more because there's like eight or ten other varieties in my store the last time I checked, so... Nice. Nice. I'm, I, I see it says Dunkel up here on the top. Can you tell me a little bit about Dunkels? <laughs> sure. Um, German beers, German-style lagers. I thought uh, you were going to say, sure, this isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think it literally means dark. Oh, okay. Or some variation of the word, you know, in German. Um, so Dunkel lagers are, you know, dark beers um and as you can see from looking at this fairly dark beer yeah very tasty yes lots of lots of flavor there i another trend that i've noticed i tend to like beers when they have that word on them (laughs) so i was wondering if there was more to it than that yeah um i've kind of grown bored of german lagers a lot Uh, my brother mocks me as if like i speak of which i don't know even though i've drank Tons of them. <laughs> and I dare say that... More than my, you know. My advanced years compared to him, as well as my advanced level of drinking beers compared to him, coupled with the fact that I have, in fact, made beer for several years now, <laughs> and done a lot of reading and learning about beer in the process of learning... This is a very roundabout way of saying he's wrong. <laughs> Not wrong, just that I know what I'm talking about... <laughs> When I and say your that, opinion is stupid. No, just that my opinion is quite valid. Not that his yeah. opinion isn't valid, yeah. just that mine may be more valid. Fair. No, the, the, the conversation we've had is he loves German lagers. He's like, how do you not like German lagers? Which is him misremembering a conversation we had a year or two ago, in which I said, they're kind of overrated. Mm. Because there's a lot of sameness to the flavors of them, as well as in some cases a particular aftertaste. But the fact that there's a lot of sameness to them is kind of by design because lagers, while I find them to be less appealing to me from a flavor standpoint, I respect the hell out of what goes into making a lager because of the level of craftsmanship that is required to execute a lager properly. Hmm. Unlike ales, which are known for their variety of flavors and a lot of times having some crazy, funky things going on in them, lagers are not supposed to have any off flavors in them at all. So the fact that there's not a ton of variety in them 
is by design. When you say like crazy flavors, like what are you talking about, really? So a lot of the favorite flavors of certain styles of ales are actually the result of byproducts uh, from the yeast okay. fermenting beer. Um, the types of byproducts that would not taste good, nor would they come out the way they're supposed to, nor should they come out that way in any way, shape, or form for a lager. Okay. Um, it's the nature of the lager yeast, which uh, has very, very, very high um, attenuation rates, and the byproduct blows off in a lot of different gaseous forms. Um, ales don't smell while they're fermenting. I mean, like, if you open your fermenter, it's going to smell like fermenting beer. Mm -hmm. But if you just stand near it, you might smell some hops if you've been dry hopping it, but that's about it. Um, from what I understand of lagers fermenting, they smell like rotten eggs. Ooh. The byproducts are released during okay. fermentation. With ales, they're more often a part of. Now, if you fuck up an ale, it can have really bad tasting byproducts. Uh, I had one batch that did that. It was undrinkable. <laughs> and then when I had to dump it all under the sink, I almost got ill because I had to smell Oof. five gallons of it going down the drain all at once. Ah, the notorious screw-up. Yes. The one, uh, You'll ne the, the one that got away. The one You'll never live that one down. <laughs> Everybody gets um, one. Yeah, so that's kind of... So that's the thing. Is a lot of uh, loggers, especially the very pale fragile lagers like pilsners like stuff like that um have a very refined and lack of variety in their flavor i like dunkles because it's a bolder flavor you mm. know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so i will drink stuff like you know dunkel lagers like a bach or whatever uh a doppelbach like those the darker ones because they have more oomph to their flavor i sure. enjoy those yeah, I, I think I can I can get behind that. That makes sense. I want to let you know. I don't know if you heard me typing while you were while you were talking there, but I took down a phrase that you said, and uh, I think this needs to be the title of your autobiography. Oh, uh, what is it? Nature of the Logger Yeast. <laughs> I think it's the perfect title. <laughs> or it's just the name of a band. Okay. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Nature of the lager yeast. <laughs> so, good stuff. I, I I like this one, and I I think there uh there's been no misses from Jack's Abbey as far as I remember. Well, we're two for two. Okay. Um, oh, there wasn't a third one. No, I don't believe so. Interesting. Well, let's keep them coming. I like them. Other info on this one is it's five five percent alcohol by volume and twenty five IBUs. Good solid beer. Nice. And okay. most importantly, it comes in pints. It comes in pints. Well done. One pint of lager, just to be very clear. That's what it says on the side. <laughs> yeah, I think you enjoyed that about the last one we had, too. <laughs> yep. So, uh, first story of the day. My idol lives on. Thank God. Kevin Smith, massive heart attack. That was that was some rough news to wake up to. Glad it was followed and up immediately by, he's okay. <laughs> well, that was the way I saw the story, was Kevin Smith tweets out that he had heart attack yesterday is fine. <laughs> yeah that i mean that's rough because i i look forward to everything that he does and i i know that he he's got such a huge fan base and it would be it'd be terrible to see that, that happened with him at so young um Whereas i, I know that he's, he's the movie making version of george R. R. martin and that's not even a comparison of the fact that they're fat and have beards i think that 
his releases have become less assured in his later years in the same way that George R. R. Martins have, where he keeps saying how he has these cool things coming on the way and we keep getting crap. It depends on your perspective. I, I don't find his new stuff to be crap. I find it to be different. I like I like all, everything he releases. Everything that I mean, he puts out is very Kevin Smith. That's that's true, which also is similar to Martin. Um, everything is on brand. Um, I know you enjoyed his stuff from the last couple of years, but when you consider the fact that, that the conversation changed like eight different ways around Tusk. The, mm. Everything I heard is that's a shit movie, and he knew it was a shit movie when he was making it. it I it's just, it's so funny. I just I really enjoy the ride of watching Tusk. And all of all of what went into it, including the the birth of the idea on one of their podcasts while they're stoned, to the Twitter poll that gets the movie made, to the end credits of the movie where they recap the episode where they're talking about it, and they're just like giggling like little kids at the just the nonsense that they're putting forward. See, th- even this was all kind of reaffirming my, my belief that he is a younger movie-making version of George R. R. Martin because he's getting involved in all of these other projects that are not the things that all of his biggest fans want, which is more of the viewers universe, right? Whereas Martin has all of his short stories and his the larger world things. I don't, I don't know. I think this TV a, show. And I could say you, you would feel that way if you were probably, if you were a Kevin Smith movie fan, but if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you probably like all of the things that he's doing. Kevin Smith movie fan, which the same way with George R. R. Martin, it's yeah. Song of Ice and Fire fan, you know what right, I mean? Right, right, yeah, for sure. No, that makes that makes total sense. Yeah, for for me, it's just I, I don't. Know, I've seen him live a couple of times, and he's he's hysterical. He's motivational. Like he he inspires me to do creative things. And honestly, there's no there's no podcast without him. Oh, I don't think he's a bad person, or that no, he hasn't I, done some entertaining things. You know what I mean? Sure, I know, but I, I, when I say like I, I, I like Idol, like I, I love every, like I follow the man's catalog. I love what he does, and it's just it was it, it like for it to it was so it was so strange because that that morning after that happened, I got message messages from like fifteen different people saying, "Oh my god, did you hear?" I'm like, well, one, I was one of them, and I was like, one, yes, two. It's not like he's my family member. <laughs> it, was just, it was just kind of funny, but I guess everybody that knows me knows how much I really enjoy him and his works. I do. Yes, yeah. I know you would have been devastated if you found out right. that so, he died or something. I mean, I'm so like you. You message me, which makes sense, and then like I'll have like a random coworker message me while he's on vacation. I'm like, that was sweet, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm okay. <laughs> well, for me, I mean, like like you said, it makes sense. It's just one of those things, like whenever we see things of interest to each other or both of us, like we send it to each other. So a lot of times for we sure. bring it up for these things. It, this is the perfect format for it as well. Yeah. But it was more of like a, Oh my God, he almost died last night. Type of thing. Like, that was just terrible. I was just thinking like of all the things that I want that he's been working on or like thinking about that we wouldn't get if that was the case. And it was just, I was just like, Oh man, that cut deep, <laughs> but he's, he's okay. He's he's all right, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully he's probably he... too okay. He's already joking about it. Eh. Eh, that... No, I mean, like, he's been joking about it, like, in his announcement of, hey, I almost died 12 hours ago. Right. 
there's a in one of his in one of his posts uh from earlier today it was just like it, it was another heartfelt post he does a lot of them and then he was just like signing off on the bottom like from two-day vegetarian kev <laughs> something like that which is it's just really funny i i oh, I, lo- I love listening to like all his different podcasts and stuff like that just like the usually like I'll, he's got so many of them that you can't i feel like you can't follow them and like pay full attention to them so they they tend to play a lot of background noise for me like while i'm working on something that i don't need to be too focused on or things like that um it would be it would be terrible to see those things go yeah so wishing him the best sure moving on to the next topic um it's all gonna get it's gonna get even well, I was. If we started with this, it probably would get worse if you got to that. Well, that was first. a dark story but, with a happy ending. Yeah. Now we're, N- now the, we're just gonna go. We're gonna go dark for a while, and then we're gonna come back out of it. Uh, <laughs> so, Joss uh, Whedon leaves Batgirl. You send me this text. You send me this text, and you're just like, "What did you say?" You're just like, put it to bed already, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I was like, "Can they just take it out back and?" They, yeah, like, they just gotta old yeller it. And this thing, because this slow, pathetic death of the DCEU is just. It's honestly making me sad now. Like, yeah, the, you know, it reminds me of a scene in Family Guy where <laughs> Peter's shaving the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar, you're familiar with the scene? I guess. I am. Peter, stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just when he when he accidentally murders Quagmire's cat and he keeps killing it and he's like, "Don't worry, he's got nine lives. Eight, <laughs> seven. <laughs> so good. that is that absolutely how I feel about this. And then. So you sent me that, and it followed up with an article that I was reading about Aquaman and um, like some pre-screening feedback from it. Yeah. And it's like fans general like optimistic or positive about it, and I was just like, "Why?" I just I'm just looking at my phone, shaking my head because I've read this story two times in the past year and a half, two years with Justice League and Batman v Superman, or however. It- like well, it was, Wonder Woman was one of them, and that one was so. It was no, good. that one, that one was a, had a different tone. That one was like you know raving about this movie. This one Actually, were positive feedback. Blah blah blah. <laughs> it's not just, the worst thing we've ever seen. Right, <laughs> right. Which is fair, <laughs> but stop. Just <laughs> stop doing what you know. Just end this <laughs> because it's it's done now. See, I, I was thinking, as soon as you said, reminds me of Family Guy, but what I was actually thinking of was, and I don't even watch the show, but I've seen the gif a million times online, is the Simpsons one where it's all the kids surrounding, and what I don't even know what's happening, and the one kid says, stop, stop, he's dead already, is like, they just carry on beating the dead horse. Uh-huh. Like, that's that's that what is. I keep thinking every time they keep telling me another story about how pathetic and dying the DCEU is, and like, it's dead? Can can we just treat it like it's dead and not that it still has a chance of surviving? There, there, there was a the, one of the articles because I've read multiple articles that reported the same thing because obviously that that information came out about fans like loving this or, or thinking it's good. Whatever, it's not going to be good. Um, well, no, I, I think it was executives got to sit down and watch. Like no, this was podcast. this was from fans, fans' perspective oh, and fan feedback, and the. It was really funny because one of the articles that I read, I knew going in because I've read, I, I can't remember which, I have the wrong one saved here because I can't remember which one it was from. But I know for a fact, like, they feel the same way that we do about the DCEU. So, like, it's usually comical when they write about it. So, it was yeah. like, fans react positively to 
um, you know, early early scenes of uh, Aquaman, and it just says like dot dot dot, cool, <laughs> and like it. The rest of it is just you know just bashing this whole all of this nonsense that's been going on. But sounds like I wrote it. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just like, yep, that's that is pretty much the key here. And then it's funny because it brought me to, um this other article that I found interesting and it was, let me, let me pull up who it, it, I read it on Esquire by Matt Miller and it was from the perspective, like why, like why are the Marvel movies better than the, than the DC movies? And then he goes, he goes into the usual things that we go into, you know, just poor decisions all around, like putting all of the stock in um, Snyder and all, like just all the things that you say a million times over and over again. But then he goes, let's put all that aside. Like here's like and gives another reason for it. And his uh his reasoning is that the the DC characters are not built for the screen. No. I don't what, what are you saying no, you disagree with him, or no yes. they're not? No, I disagree with him. Okay. I and I got this I had the same the same reaction. Well here's one thing. All of the characters in Marvel and DC or the same. If right. you didn't know that, <laughs> right. you haven't watched and or read any comics. And admittedly, I haven't read too many of them, but I've familiarized myself with some background stuff as they continue to go on and announce these movies being made. Uh, and I saw some of the cartoons when I was a kid. Like, I, I'm functionally aware of the big players in all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a BS excuse. And I even agree. saying trusting Snyder, I mean, you guys realize, like, he made a really popular comic book adaptation movie and a somewhat popular comic book adaptation movie before he ever did Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Like, in 300 and in Watchmen. Yep. Like, it's not like he doesn't know the genre. Like, he can do sure. it. Um, and maybe his vision wouldn't have worked out, but the thing is, following his vision could have been functional. It may not have been as good as Marvel, but it didn't. It shouldn't have been this train wreck. Him right. and Jeff Johns running it together as kind of the de facto version of Kevin Feige, and whether he's choosing Joss Whedon to be his auteur or whether he's choosing the Russos who've now taken over the ship of the Avengers vehicle, right? They have a vision and they're acting on it and they're letting it happen in its own time. And that's the biggest thing. It's hard to to pinpoint the one thing in that way because that's more of a nebulous idea of just they didn't take enough time. And that's what I've been saying since we first started discussing that Mm -hmm. on the show is – they tried to catch up to Marvel by simply saying, we don't need to do all of those things and get it all set up. And they just said, and threw paint at the canvas and thought it was going to turn into Mona Lisa. That's not how it works. Right. You have to do the work. Marvel earned what they've got here. DC tried to cut through all of that, and they tried to build a castle with the foundation made out of plywood. But here's the... Yes... But I don't think that that approach. I think that approach could have worked. Uh, uh, somewhere halfway between the two could have yeah. worked. Like I'm not saying they had to take as long because they could look at the playbook a little bit, right? Sure. But they still have to get all the people in place and on board and on the same message. Clearly, they never had that all one on mm-hmm. same message thing because we keep hearing about reshoots and rewrites and remakes right. in the movie you know what i mean right and and that movie died on the cutting room floor like yeah all of that <laughs> if every single movie you put out is that 
then you're clearly doing something fundamentally wrong at the very highest level. Right. And that's and what kind of bothered me because there was this and then there's other articles and we've 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 poked fun at um the Zack Snyder the 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 recent Zack Snyder films, which, you know, deservingly so. But he's becoming the fall guy. And if they were to just pull him out and put somebody in, the problem's not going to get fixed. No. It's no, just... they needed to double down, and instead they. I, I don't. I don't know what. There's no words that I have that can can describe what it is that they've done. Like, they just. It's just. It's crazy to me because the the CW, DC shows, put these movies to shame. And but they are. Like and they are soap operas. <laughs> yeah and cheesy yeah but they're better than these movies yeah well at least they follow a vision mm-hmm. a story like they the really do that I've seen my brother watches most of those shows um, the bits that I've seen at least it's cohesive and coherent yep so I'll give them that I mean like I, I don't enjoy the shows per se and they look terrible like when I can watch like other sh- like the stuff on Netflix the Marvel shows on Netflix sure. yeah the CGI isn't as good as the Marvel movies, but it's not laughable, you know? Right, right. <laughs> but I could even maybe possibly get past that, except that, like, there's a lot of cheesy, like you say, soap opera-esque, you know, storylines and all that. But the, the point is, they actually have a cohesive, coherent plan to the shows. Yeah, it's just, it's a shame. I, I would just, I would, there's some really cool stories they could tell in that universe, but it's too far gone and they need to fix it by resetting. And I know we, you know, we, we hate reboots that happen all the time. Like, like some, a lot of things don't deserve a reboot, don't need a reboot. It's like, just stop, like come up with an original idea. But the, the problem with all, there's so many good stories that can be told and that can be put on the screen, but they're not going to get there. And if they worse, if they get there, they're going to screw it up. If they stay it, if they keep it in this universe. Yeah. And which is just really it's just really unfortunate and upsetting. Um I mean that's what's gonna happen to Wonder Woman. Yeah. <sighs> Sad. But this leads me into my next thing, and it's like uh it's superhero movies in the Oscars. So something that you actually brought to my attention that I didn't know was the case and then did some reading on it, um, was the whole Dark Knight thing where the as you mentioned, the best picture nominees were extended because yeah. that year it, they like there was a lot of backlash that it didn't get a nomination. Not necessarily that it would have won, but it should have been recognized. Yes, kind of thing, which is which is cool. I, I really like that. And then that that's that's like the that's a mark, right? That's like oh, okay, this is a big deal. This is a a genre of movies that is near and dear to our hearts, and it's like oh, this is this created a movement because there was you know it. People really, really liked this. Critically acclaimed. Fans loved it. It was amazing. Um, other Oscars won in the superhero area. The Incredibles won for animated film. Um, but then going on, there's a Logan is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay mm-hmm. this Sunday, which is going to be. I'm, I'm. I think that's awesome that it's that it's there. Marvel is is doing this. Uh, now with like Logan and you know DC could have been doing it <laughs> but they just went the complete other direction and now you have Marvel that's gonna that can put something like Logan forward because they're like oh 
Well, that's not that's not even Marvel though. That's uh, uh, well, Fox. Fox. Well, oh, sorry, the Marvel properties. Yeah, is really what I'm getting at. Which it's just I feel like they they could totally do it with with DC properties if they if they did it right. Well, and, remember this started with a DC property, the Dark right, Knight. Right, right. It's it's there, but this is this whole thing, like this whole what's going on in the DCEU. It's it will pull this whole thing back down. Mm-hmm. Because it, you're gonna say, oh, a superhero movie? What, like one of those Justice League movies? <laughs> Two words: Suicide Squad. Why you gotta do me like that, Al? <laughs> so bad. But uh, it, it's it's it looks like there could be a turn, but I I fear that it won't. And they they're saying that um, potentially uh, Black Panther will get recognized at the next one. Which would be cool. That would that would keep it on track for recognition. But I, how many more DC movies are going to come out between then and now <laughs> and hurt this category? One. And I'm pretty sure it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> or or just more news about it, and that'll be enough. That's true. You know, unless it's like you know they canned it, they realized they were ruining the film industry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time to reconsider, <laughs> but that's, it's just, it's just silly. I would, it would be really crazy if uh, Logan won and well-deserved because that movie was just, was that good? <laughs> good one. Um, I feel like I had one more thing I want to, oh yeah, leading up into our Oscar stuff. So Al shared this video with me <laughs> earlier today, which was hysterical, which was <laughs> the, it was like an, an animated short of the characters in Last Jedi. <laughs> Well, it it was a follow up to like anyone who's heard of the how it should have ended like series of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they did one about the Last Jedi a few weeks after that the one movie was really out. good. But this is a continuation of that because it's the same people doing it, the same voices, same characterization of those Last Jedi characters talking about how they weren't nominated for any of the major Oscar categories. And yeah, no, it was spot on. I acted so hard, I was one with the force. <laughs> that was so good. And then I, I love it, just like, you know, it, it touches on a lot of really funny things. Like, he's Luke's like, but like, why are we nominated? We're critically acclaimed and like points to it. And she goes, you know, sometimes the critics don't like exactly what the fans like. She's holding up the la- the greatest showman and she's, <laughs> she's hiding it off screen. <laughs> Not just that, but he says, look, we're critically acclaimed that he's pointing at it on Rotten Tomatoes. It was like a 91% by critics. Yeah. And you can see on the side of the screen, it shows like a 40-something from right. the fans. And right. they just slowly edge the camera so you don't see that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really well done. If You uh, you should check it out. If you could link that in the uh, the description for this episode, that'll it's definitely worth a worth a watch. But um, about, about Star Wars. So here's the thing. I loved The Last Jedi. I really did. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't nominate it for best picture. I wouldn't nominate it for best picture. No, I wouldn't have been terribly surprised if, um, someone like Mark Hamill was nominated for, you know, best actor or best supporting actor, whichever it would show up as, or, or, Daisy Ridley, or um. Adam Driver. I wouldn't be surprised if any of the three of them had been nominated. I don't see it. Granted, Daniel Day-Lewis was nominated, and <laughs> we're not going to get into that again, but that movie was shit. Um, 
Uh, didn't he say that? He goes, I acted so hard that I died and became one. Oh, yeah, he says something about it. And he says, meanwhile, just because Daniel Day-Lewis is making a bunch of dresses, he's going to go home with a war. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I don't think, though. I Again, love the movie. Love the characters. Thought the actors were fantastic. I There's nothing about any individual one that I think would stand out enough to get a nominee. Also, they kept taking nomination. shots across... They could have, they kept taking shots across the bow of uh, your boy Hans Zimmer there, saying how uh, yeah oh we were only nominated for VF for VFX oh my god that was so good score. well yes naturally of course we're always nominated for that he goes meanwhile Hans Zimmer is even nominated for Dunkirk and all he did was fall asleep on a church organ that that made me crack up I think I actually lost some water through the nose on that one that was. <laughs> That was actually really funny because I, I also because when you send it to me, I listen to movie scores while I'm working a lot, and of course, I mean he shows up a lot. Yeah. And uh, the Dunkirk soundtrack showed up as well <laughs> within this whole time frame, and it was just per- it was like, perfectly timed. It was as if you waited for me <laughs> to be listening to the just the right moment to send the video. It <laughs> was really good, but uh, that was oh my god, that was it's, it's really funny. You should check it out. Moving on from Star Wars, our flick of the week is... Wait. Oh, you have something? Yes, I told you I had a couple of little things. Oh, Which Al's Nuggets. I your name because I beat you to it. Al's Nuggets. This is going to be a new segment going forward. The, Al's going to have some things to talk about on each show. Not going to tell me what they are up front, and we're going to check in with Al's Nuggets. <laughs> For the record, I vehemently disagree with the naming of the segment. Um, and as the man in charge of the recording, <laughs> I veto. <laughs> you can veto it, but I am on the record having stated that I disagree with the practice. Uh, anyway. Your nuggets? Um, speaking of things important to and interesting to yep. us and hopefully our audience, you know, if you're listening, hopefully you like some of the same things we do. Um, Star Wars Rebels is coming to a close next week. Oh, yeah. Series finale. Um, are, are you up to date on that? What? Are you up to date on it? Yeah, I watched... Uh, they've been doing... They had seven episodes to do in the final half of the season, but they're doing it across three weeks. They did two episodes last week, two episodes this week, and three episodes next week. Okay. Um, and... Some pretty big stuff for Star Wars canons happening. They're going both of walls in this second really? half final season. Yeah. Where's the I best place to watch it? Spoilers? Um, what I did was I found out, like, if you have a provider or whatever, like, yeah. you know, because I know a lot of people are cutting cords, but they still have a service. Um, if you have access to Disney channels and you have, like, a sign-in thing, you can get it through there on demand. Or, oh, okay. in, my, in my case, I downloaded, like, the one of the Disney apps because they, they – created and destroyed some over the years and they're yeah. going to have a new one or six coming out in a couple of years once they set up their own streaming services. Uh, so the Disney Now app, um, mm. like 95% of the backlog episodes are on there. Oh, okay. For whatever reason, there was like, in the first two seasons, there was like four or five episodes that weren't in there. Thankfully, not in a row. Okay. So I just read the synopsis of each of those episodes at the time that it came, so I at least got the gist of what was going on. I, I don't know why they, those particular episodes were cut. Right. I, I honestly couldn't how, tell you. How many seasons is it? Uh, there were four. Okay, cool. I think the first season is shorter, though. Yeah, typical. 
Yeah, but um, yeah, that's cool. Um, there's some cool stuff. If you're a big Star Wars fan, you'll be able to get past the fact that it's a relatively um, child-oriented audience um, because it's just Star Wars stuff. There's yeah. the old yeah, character, I- some new characters. I'm gonna have to watch it. I, I'm definitely. I've I've been interested for a while, and knowing that it has like a, an ending, and like I can work towards <laughs> completing a series in a set period of time, and then moving on from it makes it a little bit easier for me. <laughs> the really cool thing I've thought about the last two seasons of the show is that we're finally getting a better sense of where it fits in the hierarchy of the Star Wars canon at large. What we know that that means now having all the old Legends stuff thrown to the side, because... You mean the old Jedi here. text? Well, well there's <laughs> Jedi Temple stuff. They're, they're depthening... They're deepening... Depthening, Depth deepening our understanding of the cosmic force and the force as a mystical energy as opposed to Metaclorians. Mm-hmm. Um, we started hearing some stuff about Kyber Crystals and one or two mentions of Orson Krennic, and then in this season... His name keeps popping up, even though he hasn't been on the show. And finally, in the last last week's episode, uh, there was a reference to Project Stardust, which I thought was particularly cool. Because uh, those of you who've seen Rogue One know that that is literally the construction of the Death Star. That's cool. Yeah, I thought so. I like that. Is his character going to be in the show? Well, if he's if he hasn't if he's not in next week, he won't have been in it at all. But he's been mentioned more and more that I was wondering whether or not he might show up. Um, yeah, but I suppose maybe we might get a glimpse of him at the end. But um, the primary uh, Imperial adversary that's been on for a while now is Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was revived from his death in the Legends era and brought back into official canon. Although I imagine he probably won't survive because he's such an important character that he couldn't survive the Imperial era of the original trilogy and not show up in the new trilogy if he had survived. You know what I mean? Right. He does. He's not someone who gets an off-screen death. Sure. Interesting. Interesting. Also, oh. speaking of TV shows to, to watch, like because I binged a bunch of this to catch up to where the show was at, but started watching on Netflix, Altered Carbon. Good show if you like weird sci-fi shit. Oh, yeah? What's that about? It's based on a book from about 15 years ago. Um, although it sounds like they've pared down some of the weirder things, and by weirder, some of that is incorporated in the, as eras change, what's acceptable changes do. Mm. Um, uh, from what I understand from seeing some references from people who had read the book and are now watching the show, there's some stuff of questionable nature, specifically vis-a-vis rape and such. Uh, I was going to ask you, where does it fall on the questionable scale? next to the thing you told me about it. I don't know for a fact. There hasn't okay. been anything on the show, but I've seen some references to the fact that in the book there were some things of that nature. So I don't know. But um, yeah, no, that, it's a Netflix show, but it's more nudity than an HBO show. Oh, geez. Any listeners who are a big fan of Joel Kinnaman, you will see much more of him than you ever thought you would be able to. <laughs> and I mean a lot, often. Um, I mean, a lot. <laughs> and often. Jesus. Okay. That being said, there's, um, it's equal opportunity. <laughs> well played. Well but played. Uh, 
But that was not the reason I started watching the show. In fact, I was very surprised when, like, one of the first big scenes is just him laying completely ass naked on the table, and his whole scene is shot naked. And I'm like, oh, that's what we're doing now. Netflix, good to know. Yeah. And then it's just nudity nonstop throughout the course of the show. I was like, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's only two really well-known actors in this. Um, it's um, Joel Kinnaman and James Purefoy. Everyone else is basically people I've never seen before. There's like one other person in the show that I have seen in one other thing in a small role. But it's a really good show. It's um, funky. It's a couple hundred years in the future. Give it a watch. It's a good, good show. All right. And final, uh, final of my notes. Final nugget. It, is uh, there is a new Alzale, which I will be bringing to you this weekend. Oh, yes. It is good. Yes. Is this going to be our Annihilation Ale? Uh, we could do that if you like. Excellent. Uh, then in that case, the episode following this one will be Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> we will get to Black Panther. It's going to happen. I just need to see it. That's This is the problem. I just haven't seen it. Waiting on you. Waiting on me. We'll uh, we'll probably hopefully I'm I'm really hoping to get to it before you get here so that we can do that as one of our in person sessions. I would be a fan of that because that that those seem like they're going to be two really fun movies to chat about. Yes. Also, if we can do double the episodes, we might even be able to have double the ales. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. Any more nuggets? No, that's it. All right. Well, then, in that case, let us move on to our flick of the week, Ladybird, just in time for the Oscars. Uh, we'll give you the quick rundown from IMDb. In 2002, an artistically inclined 17-year-old girl comes of age in Sacramento, California. That is the plot. That is the entire movie. Um, it's... I'm going <laughs> to... My, my review of the movie. This movie is perfectly okay. <laughs> and that is what I've said to multiple people. That I've talked to about this thing, the movies, it's okay in some in in many parts of the movies. It's good, it's fun, but overall, I wouldn't watch it again. I wasn't super super into it. I really don't understand the best picture nomination. Um, that's 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 the gist of it for me. How do you feel? Strongly disagree. Very very Re good movie. Really? Huh. Yes. Okay, well, that's that's and, good. And admittedly, a pretty weak field of Best Picture nominees. Well, outside of the top couple. Whoa. Ten pictures that have been nominated for Best Picture. I wouldn't say all ten are great films. You've already said you didn't like this one that much and you hated Phantom Thread, so. Right. In an admittedly somewhat weak field of Best Picture nominees, this is deserving. I, I just, I disagree. I really enjoyed this movie. What is really what is it about this movie that you like? Can you get into this before we get into spoilers, or would you like to hold off? I found its unconventional examination of relationships that are all too conventional to be interesting, and stuff that could have gotten really dark and deep and heavy just skimmed the surface of that hit those notes just the perfect amount and still had some fun stuff to keep it light. It's been a kind of a common factor with a lot of the things we've seen lately mm -hmm. talked about where it's like, this is really, really dark. And then you found a way to drag me up out of it. And this one may have done an even better job of balancing that 
than something like The Big Sick, where it was so dark, and then you throw in, like, an inappropriate joke in the middle of it. It's like, I'm laughing, and that's dragging me out of this, but, oh, I feel like I should be taking this super seriously. I felt that this did a better job of balancing those things instead of it being, like, we're driving off the road, and then we jerk the wheel back on. I feel like what you just said is a very elegant way of saying it was bland. No, disagree. I, and I think that's that's probably where that's probably why we disagree on the movie. You saw you, you saw something deeper in the movie than I did. Yeah, well, so I guess like from a narrative perspective, yeah, it's not groundbreaking. It's literally a tale as old as time, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. teenager growing up and figuring out their place in the world. Like we've seen a billion of those movies. Um, I found the way that it did it to be masterfully executed. Hmm. Interesting. I we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get into more of this. Um, also, there was some fun stuff with the way that it was paced. There's and that was actually one of my notes, and we can get into that more post spoiler. But this movie, through most of the first two thirds, and even some later on, but they kind of ease off of it a little bit is a frenetically paced movie. And I've been, a lot of movies have been like that lately, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it fit perfectly with this. We never spent a second longer than we needed to in any one scene, and I rarely felt that I needed to spend any more. Yeah, I... Here's the thing, I... If you if you listen to the show and you like if you like to hear what Al and I have to talk about, I would say watch the movie so that like stop here if you haven't seen it, watch it and then come back because I'd like to just not worry about spoilers so that we can talk specifics because I'm very yeah. very curious to hear what things you other things that you like really enjoyed about it. Um, it's fun. I, this is really interesting to me. I, I I like that you're coming from the other side of it. Yeah, because we rarely disagree. Yeah. This much. Usually it's like about facets of stuff, but our overall impression is pretty similar. And and here's the thing that's going to be difficult going forward. I don't have, I, I'm a generally optimistic person, and I try to find the good in things. So the majority of my notes are the positives, which is really funny. Um, I will say that my negative feeling towards this movie is just, it's my overall impression watching it. That I think part of it is the the hype around it, and. I was expecting this movie to be great because of the things that I had heard before I watched it. I the best picture nomination. I always have a high hope for a best picture nomination. Um, I was uh, I felt I was really snubbed by Phantom Thread, and this <laughs> this one. It's not that I was. This one wasn't like offensively snubbing, <laughs> but like that other one. Uh, it just I just didn't it just didn't land. It didn't hit the mark for me. See, it's funny, a lot of times when a movie like this, especially since this one was released as more like an indie thing, and so we got, the hype machine was going for a long time before we had the ability to see the movie, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times in that case, I will read a lot about those movies, even though I read, I try absolutely to read nothing that has spoilers in it, so it's impressions and stuff like that where, you know, there may be specifics, but none of it is giving up plot points or anything like that. Um, in this case, for whatever reason, I avoided most of that. So I okay. was just aware of the hype at large, hearing in the first few weeks, 
it's a perfect score. You know, hearing everyone loved it and this and that. And does it live up to that billing? No, but I still think it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't think this should be. I don't think this should win Best Picture. Uh, my personal pick, I'd pick The Post. I think hmm. it's going to thrill three billboards, but. I'm not offended by that pick. I think it was a very, very good movie as well and deserving. I think The Post was more deserving. Get Out is as good a movie as any. It's just not going to win for a multitude of reasons. The biggest, probably just the fact that it was released a year ago and not two months mm. ago. Um, also, there's a whole political thing with that. Not, and this isn't even black, white, any of that stuff. Just a whole political thing of uh, there's a lot of hesitance to recognize um, freshman directors in that sense. Right. Uh, freshman debuts from directors. There's only been like three of them that have won. Um, so I don't think this should have won Best Picture, but I think it belongs in the conversation. I think it was totally okay. right to be nominated. That's cool. I I really I, I'm I, I'm very excited that we that we're disagreeing because we don't a lot. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Uh, I will say so if you were. Can you run down real quick? Were those the ones that you saw for the Oscar nominations? You saw it. Well, you saw Dunkirk also. I saw Dunkirk, and honestly, that movie's as good as any movie. Like it, it, that movie could win, and I'd be cool with it too. It's just not going to. Like I just, there's no chance that movie's winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also it's different because it's it's an incredible story, but it's not a story driven movie. Right. It's so many other things that go into making it a work of art that would make it worthy of being nominated in this sense. Like, it's the lightest of the stories, right? Yeah. Or lightest on story of all the ones, as opposed to something like The Post, which is a 100% story. Yeah. We, yeah. Oh, man, The Post. We so I saw The Post, I saw Dunkirk, I saw Get Out, I saw Lady Bird, I saw... That's four of them. There's ten total. I don't remember the other ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, three billboards. I saw, so I saw five of them. Nice. That's pretty good. I didn't see Call Me By Your Name. Call, yeah. Um, I don't. What are the other ones that were nominated? Uh, Darkest Hour. Didn't see it. Uh, didn't see Phantom Thread. Didn't see Shape of Water. There you go. That's the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, you, what did you say your pick was? The My pick would be the post. The post, right? I think that's the best movie. That's good. I I like that because the and I I I like going into the Oscars and having one that I really really want to win and the one that I feel like is probably going to win. Um. So I, I mean I would I would guess that Three Billboards is going to win, based on all of the the communication around it since it's come out and like all these award shows. My pick is actually um, Call Me by Your Name. That was. That was the one out of this list of movies that was like that. That's the only one that has stuck with me afterwards for so long. Where I think back on it, I was like, "This is this was just really well done." Like, I will say the funny thing is that the post was so dense that I actually feel like it quote unquote didn't stick with me just because there was so much that yeah. happened. That you have to see it again just to retain all the information. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was, the post. The post was 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 very good. We should but we the could story do was an incredible. On that. Cast was incredible, and there were so many good performances in it. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I... for sure. But so okay, then let's get back to Lady Bird. And um, from this point forward, there's there's going to be spoilers. We're just not going to worry about it, so that we can talk realistically through it. Uh, the, 
a lot of there's a I, again I, I said a lot of my notes are positive I you like start with the negative that I have yes sure didn't love the ending fair that was that was the only part of the movie that was flat to me the last hmm. 10 minutes of the movie yeah yeah I guess there's there's a lot I feel like there is a lot of things that are kind of that are going on and you're like you're following this girl's life or in this small piece of this girl's life for a while and then it you just get that and it and it does just kind of fall off at the end. Well you know what it was is like I said like the, the, the pacing of this movie and I'd like to talk about it more, not even with this point, we can talk about it after. Um it was so fast. Like everything is just moving and moving and cascading and then it's that flattens out and slows out a little bit as we get into the nitty gritty of what the crux of her actual growing up was mm-hmm. a little later in the movie. But it was like this head of steam that's being built and being built to the point of them dropping her off at the airport. And from the second the mother came back and came into the airport and met with the father, from that second on, couldn't care less what happened after that. Mm. Like, honestly, the movie could have ended there and it would have been like, yeah. That's a good point. I wonder if that would have changed my perspective. Or even we could have gotten a, we could have gotten like a like one of those like super cliche a better version of like the super cliche like the calendar like in the background like fluttering away and then like her making the phone call from the end to mm-hmm. the mom. I didn't need the stuff in between of her going to a party and hooking up with a guy yeah, and getting yeah. to, get to take him to the hospital. Like that stuff was so irrelevant. Yeah, I I, I agree. I'm trying to think if that if that were to be the case. It was the problem was that the movie had an anticlimax at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Now the you say the pacing for the rest of it though, you you appreciated the way that they handled it, and I I would agree with that because if anything that happened in that movie lasted any longer than it did, I probably would have been I actually probably would have felt even more negatively towards the movie. Well, that's part of why I was saying that I think that this was masterfully executed, a mundane thing, because it's something that I've noticed in really a lot of in the past couple of years is that, and I'm sure it's in part it's because of a rare bit of understanding by movie makers of its audience and how mm-hmm. poor our attention spans are that we don't settle into any one thing and just digest it. You know what I mean? Right. So some of these movies are doing that. It's like, okay, we're doing this thing, then we're doing that thing, then this thing, then that thing, and it's paced, and this is what we're doing. We're always moving forward. We never just get to sit and enjoy. Like It's something like, like The Godfather couldn't be made now because of how many scenes you just sit there and are saturated in the moment, right? Mm. And it's a tremendous, great movie. It just couldn't be made in that way now because people don't have the attention span to do it. But on the other hand, a criticism I had of a movie I liked a lot, The Force Awakens, was I kept feeling like after the first couple sequences, I was like, can we just spend like another three or four minutes where we are right now? Like, I feel like you're pushing me out the door. Like, I I want right. to see a bit more of what's going on in Maz's place there. And nope, it was blown up and we're 
where it kind of leads. Like, I want to see more of Starkiller. Nope, and he blew up Starkiller base. Um, hey, like, Han's big ship with the crazy fucking tentacle monsters and this weird faction of gangsters who want to kill them all. That was like, oh, and we killed all the monsters yeah. and people and we didn't blow this thing up, but we blew out in hyperspace. Like, like I kept feeling like, can, can I see more of what's going on? Like, right, I feel like right. there's something in that room going on that's kind of cool and I want to know and that alien's cool looking and, and he's gone. Uh, he doesn't matter and 10 years from now I'll find out that he had a cool name, I guess, in some weird <laughs> canon thing. But like, I, and like that's just the movie that sticks out the most to me, but there's a lot of mm-hmm. movies that I feel that way about in the last three or four years. And this movie did that even more dramatically, but they kept giving you just the right amount of information in each one where it's like, hmm. huh, I am not really interested anymore in what's going on here. This was the perfect snapshot of this time and place in this conversation. And the first half or two thirds of the movie is like that. Some scenes lasted like three minutes and it's like, we're gone. It's yeah. week. It's like, Okay, cool. Yeah, that's kind of all we really need to know about that. Like, and like in that case, it works really well in building this tension. As we see, it was almost like watching a flip book of a relationship hmm. between her and her family and her friends and this and that, where we see all the things we need to, but it's sped up. And it's like watching the flower grow in a flip book. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it really works for me in this movie in a way that doesn't work for me in a lot of other movies. Cool. I'm, I'm, like the big scenes that we really needed to, like, in the end, like, her time spent with the second boyfriend, Kyle, I think it was, mm-hmm. the time spent with her new friend, was it, no, Julie was the old friend, I forget, the new friends. Julie's a rock star. Julie was hysterical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other one, Jenna. Like, her mm-hmm. time spent with Jenna as she's trying on this new persona of being a cool girl, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. some of those scenes, like, the whole thing, like, leading up to prom, like, the big moments with her and her mom where it's a really the important conversations, like, those are the ones that we actually get to wait around in a bit. And even there, we don't spend a ton of time with, we just spend enough that, like, it's like a physical pause and we can take a break and we can look around and say, hey, this is what's going on here. And the reason we're spending more time here is because there's something more that it needs to tell us. And I realized that I just talked at you for the last three minutes. No, 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 that's <laughs> that's fine. I I'm I, I like the I like positivity, so I'm glad that you liked it, and I'd rather you talk about liking it because my what I don't like is somebody that has a negative opinion like mine in this case, and doesn't really have. I can't back it up with anything but my emotion watching the movie. I was not. It didn't do much for me. Which is, yeah, it's not to say it's not valid, it's, but it is harder when it's, it's I know I've, I've had that too, where it's just like, that didn't work for me, and I don't know why, I just know that I don't like it. Yeah, I like, see, that's why I like what you're talking about, because you're explaining, I can see why someone would like the things that you're saying, um, but there's nothing particularly compelling about the story to me. In especially when compared to the other stories that I'm getting to be a part of with the other movies. Yeah, well, I guess it's because this movie is a mundane story. There's not really any other way around it. I mean, there's yeah. some kind of cool bits here and there, but it's 
a character study through studying the characters, not through studying their story. Right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the characters, there's, there's, I want to point out a couple of things that I really enjoyed about the movie. Uh, the first, let's wait. Let's 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 get it out on the table. Yep. We've had pr- trouble with pronunciations in the past. Sure. Uh, so full disclosure, uh, in much in the way that I looked up Gal Gadot when we needed to a while back. Yep. I, I looked up. Well, for, I knew, or at least I thought I knew, and I was close, but I was slightly off. It's Saoirse Ronan. Uh huh. Um, and it's Timothy Chalamet. Okay. So we don't have to worry about stumbling over it because up until I looked up those names, I had been stumbling with those names. Is it Saoirse or Sorsha? See, I thought it was Sorsha, but it's Saoirse. Okay. Interesting. And I watched her herself say it in her so, uh, Lady Bird and Kyle. thick Irish <laughs> accent, which it's incredible. Like you could almost not realize she's not a native like speaker of like American English in mm. this movie like it only slightly broke like two or three times in the movie sure. and even then not nearly enough to pick up what it was an accent of just like that there maybe was and it's only because you knew there was ahead of time i watched her give an interview and that was where this the clip i saw her say her name and her accent is so thick that it's got like the irish affectation of you really chew the words and, and spit them out you don't just flow and talk and it's like <laughs> oh my god how does that thing become a functional like she speaks really quickly in some of these lines in these movies like yeah. ow <laughs> that's funny that I uh, <laughs> that's I just I sorry I just in my head I was just replaying the Gal Gadot video yep really good it's just that was one of, <laughs> that was one of the highlights of recording this show uh, but yeah, so, since you're one of the characters now, sorry. Uh, yeah, the, well, one thing is the relation, the relationship between the daughter and the mother, juxtaposed with the re- relationship of the father and the daughter, is really that I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I mean that's the the, the vast majority of this movie hangs on those relationships, mm-hmm. especially the one with her and her mom. Yeah, and it's just it's. It's so funny because, like, there's with her and her mom, there's like a. It's kind of. It's not physically violent, but it's like hostile and violent, but also love. And then with the dad, it's just like tender and emotional. Yeah. And it's it's funny because, like, I mean, I've seen that, you know. I've. Well, it's funny too because it was a bit of, you know, from a stereotype perspective role yeah. reversal because usually you expect the mother to be loving and caring and nurturing and the father to be gruff and then this is completely the opposite yeah well and that's funny because like i feel like in experiences like growing up with you know family members and friends i've seen this relationship so maybe that maybe it wasn't as compelling to me because it just seemed like you know normal for me but it was it was it was cool to see that on screen yeah I thought that I thought, and I thought it was well done. I there's the scene that I I was excited when the movie started. I thought that uh, you know what this movie's gonna be. I'm gonna enjoy this. Is the scene, for, in, the car? The scene in the car? Yep. Where she where she she opens the door and she I, she exits the car. Like there's no other way. Like she doesn't jump well, out I, of the car. She exits the car <laughs> while while it's driving down the highway. <laughs> so the funny thing is, the very first time I saw any. Promotional material for 
this, I saw that, and it's just a cut of her speaking to her mother and jumping out of the car. And I was mm. like, this is going to be one of those funky, kind of trippy, like, surreal type of movies. No, it was nothing surreal about it. She just jumped out of the car and broke yep. her arm. Like, yeah. I was wondering if it was going to be one of those, like, you know, like, almost Scrubs-like hallucination, like, cutaway things, and then, like, she didn't actually jump out of the car. Nope, she just jumped out of the car. Like, it happened. She broke her arm. Yeah. Like, they open the door and gets out. I'm like, I get it. This one's dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the scream that the mother, yell, like, belts out is, it makes that scene hysterical. Yeah. This is just really funny. Because, like, they're, and, and like, that, that sets you up, which is really, I'm guessing it's the point, right, of that scene is, this is what their relationship is going to be like from this until the end of the movie. Yeah. There's, they're having, they're enjoying each other's company. They love each other, and then it quickly flips on its head. But they still love each other. But God damn it, I hate you sometimes. And it's just like I, I don't even want to be around you. I'm going to leave. I'm going to exit the vehicle, and that is basically what she does by the end of the movie. <laughs> well, it's funny because I really, through the run of the movie, through the majority of the body of the movie, there was two big scenes for me that made the their relationship so unique. And this is a lot of why I find this movie compelling. It was it was the the two things one of them was just a snapshot of their relationship and the other one was informing their relationship. And the scene where she snaps on her and it's like she almost had this O C D thing about like you know, the clothes and you know, why is every, everything's gotta be this way and that and it's the typical teenage rebellion against that sort of authority and all that stuff and she says isn't there ever one time that like you didn't folded your clothes before you went to bed and like right. like why are you giving me a hard time like was this how it was with your mother and she just bluntly says well my mother was an abusive alcoholic and she just walks out of the room and it's like wow this is the this is the best she can do to be motherly is I'm going to be hard on you, but I'm never going to hurt you. Right. Cause like she, like I, I, it's not a failing, but she can't do better. Mm -hmm. This is the best that she can do because her mother was beating her when she was drunk. Like, right. And the way her frustration manifests itself is to be nitpicky. You know what I mean? Like, and like, it was that whole, I love you so much, but I can't actually tell you how. Yeah. That it takes her father to tell her how much um, informs that relationship so much. And it's like, in other stories or even in your own personal life, like you see versions of that throughout the world. But I just thought it was so crystallized in that moment how it was. And it's like, okay, yeah, like I get it now. Mm-hmm. And she gets it too, and like that's an important turning point for her. I felt for both of them, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the other one for me was there's a scene where it was one of the times they're at the store, and they're like just fighting and fighting. And no, it's when they're getting the dress, nasty. And she pulls them off the rack and says, "Do you like this?" And immediately it's just gone. Yep. And they're just like mother and daughter talking about clothes. Like, yep. Yeah, that that was, was that was like, a really good scene. How do you turn that switch like that? I, I just watch. I remember like watching that and going, <laughs> "That's good." 
<laughs> it's funny. I mean, they also kind of make sense, like with her. Uh, if she had a rough past with her parents, or at least her mother in this case, it kind of makes sense that she's with like this more sensitive, caring husband. Yeah, because the whole idea, I guess, of him being able to unlock that and her her not thinking that she could have had that. Right, and, and then there's just and the you know, opposite co- attract thing too. <laughs> the, I have two notes on the dad. There's there's two lines in the movie about the dad that just like I lo- I love this guy. One is when douchebag Kyle comes to pick her up for the prom, and he goes, "Don't tell me you're gonna go with a guy who honks." And then she goes outside to the car, but just like not just he, that, she goes, mm, "Yeah, today I think so." Yeah, yeah, but that <laughs> that was like, one. Yeah. And the other one is when uh, it's it's her birthday, and he brings her the cupcake into her room, and she asks him if he wants some of it, and he says, "Yeah," but really, he's saying like, "Hell yeah, I want half that cupcake." Like it's just like he, they're just I love he was he was really funny to me. Well, it's great because it was like informed by that scene earlier when she goes with him for his like interview, and he comes down. She goes, "How did it go?" And he goes, "Let's go get a big bag of Doritos and eat it in the bar." Right, <laughs> right. It was funny. It's funny that guy. Um, I think his name's Tracy Letts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him a bunch lately. Like, never seen him before a few weeks ago, and then like he was a important character in a couple seasons of Homeland. And also, he was in the post. He was, I think, Fritz, Phoebe. He was a pretty big role in that movie. Wait, really? Yes. He was like, I think, I think he was her top advisor. Oh my the god! The one that she kept asking questions of. Yeah, he looks very different in this movie. Well, he has a beard in this. He didn't. He was clean shaven in that. Is he definitely in that? Yeah, the yeah, post. Fritz. I looked him up because I was like, I knew I saw him in two things. Recently. What is it I with knew- these actors in multiple Oscar movies? Well, hang on, that is one of my notes. Don't you dare steal that from me. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he was in those two things. Lucas Hedges was in like three things. He was in this. He was in Three Billboards. He was the son, mm-hmm. and he was in Manchester by the Sea last year. Last year, okay. So he was in two this year. Two this year and one last year. Right. He himself was nominated last year, right? I, I believe so. And Timothy Chalamet was in this and nominated Call for Calling By Your Which, Name. Which, this kid, honestly, like, like I said, Calling By Your Name, I'm obviously a big fan of the movie. I He's uh, he's the worst in this movie. But he's a really good actor. Like, he's really good. Because if you... Well, it's funny because this... He kind of parroted similar, and it's what's weird. I always, I don't know why, but I always like make note of when I see a couple of people from one thing in another thing, mm-hmm. especially like if it's like I can't figure out what the common point is, like if it's not the same director or same writer. Like, um, but both Timothy Chalamet and Tracy Letts were pretty substantial roles in Homeland, though they never they never overlapped on the show. Um, I always think that sort of connection point is weird, and all three of them are like Oscar movie whores the last couple of years, apparently, because they've all yeah. been in a bunch of different movies that were nominated for Oscars. I will say, um, he's in two this year, the other guy's in two. Michael Stuhlbarg, or Stolbarg, I'm not sure how you say his name. He's in three. Stuhlberg, I think. He's in three movies that are nominated this year. Three? Post, yeah. Shape of Water, Call Me By Your Name. Didn't know he was in those two. Yep. 
He was in Fargo, the third season. What, what's really funny is Kim and I saw those three movies one after the other. And it's like, <laughs> it's that guy. <laughs> hey, it's that guy. It's that one guy. <laughs> and then it was like, huh, he's not nominated, but he was really good in all of them. <laughs> well, in post, he had like a two-minute scene, but still. There was something else I saw in that, too, though. I was like, I completely forgot he was in the movie, and I don't remember who it was now. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this is a really good cast. Like, mm-hmm. underratedly so, because I didn't know a bunch of these people were in this movie. Right. Um, so, just want a couple of other points that I want to uh, touch on, because these are my, my positive notes here. There's the, some genuinely funny parts of this movie. Yeah. Like, 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 couple of out loud chuckles. One we already talked about was the jump out of the car. I, I love that. Two, th- this might have been my favorite one. Or actually, sorry, this is my second favorite one. We'll get to my favorite one a little further down. But uh, the racial remark about Miguel getting a scholarship. I didn't laugh at that. I was like, oh, fuck, that was shitty. No, but the the way, the way delivery of that whole that whole thing was really funny. Like, she's like, I, he's like, I did not, I like, what did he say? Like, I, I opted out of that question. He's like, I'm sure they didn't know by your name. Miguel. <laughs> Miguel. Yeah, it was just, it was so, so funny the way that was delivered. Uh, the other one, a couple of other Sister, ones here. Sister Sarah Joan talking to her after the thing with the car. Yep. Yep. That was good. That's what I have here. I said, uh, just married I, to I Jesus. Do, I didn't do anything to your car. Married to Jesus. Yeah, uh, that sounds pretty funny. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was like, and I wasn't just married to Jesus. I've been married to him for forty years. It's <laughs> like, what? This, this nun is the best. <laughs> but now yeah. there's two two characters. The nun. Then there's also the the broken play director. Uh, was it Father or something? Father broken play director is what I have written down here. <laughs> but he he, you know, it was a. It's like it's funny in the scenes, like the way that like they're portraying him. But then it's just like really sad when he's not there anymore. I feel like he's always like some. He, I just feel like he always makes me sad. Yeah, because he'll he'll always be that character from the newsroom that made me super sad when he killed himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, newsroom was so good. I know. I'm gonna rewatch that sometime soon. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a solid life choice. It's a great show. It's but, honestly yeah. one of my favorite shows ever. But so I mean, I liked I liked his character, like, and and then obviously like he he's no longer there, and I like you don't know what happened to him. I don't think they clear. Which I don't, was kind of weird. They didn't like they had the, the scene with him meeting with her mother. Yeah. She says he says please you feel you can't tell her, and she said well and that's I think that's the last time we see him, isn't it? it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. And but then you get the coach. And that whole him giving the scenes priest, out to people. The priest football coach directing a play. Oh my god. Incredible stuff. That was that was a good scene. Yes. That was his that was so funny. And like, the kids writing taking notes and writing it down. Like. <laughs> oh my god. It was so f- and it's like and you sing, sing. <laughs> the white mark is singing. Sing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a thick shaded line. This is singing. This is singing. <laughs> that was really funny. Um and then uh, the scene where she finds her boyfriend in the bathroom with another boy was... Yeah, I didn't laugh at that. That was pretty... Uh, it, it's, it really sucked, but the, the circumstances at which it went down was just kind of funny. 
Oh, there's never a line that goes in there, and it's like, oh, and the I whole was, thing gets turned on its head. I was kind of genuinely shocked. Not that we haven't seen stuff similar to that going down, but it was just like he seemed to be so earnestly like into her before that. Yeah. Like but, usually, the, the seeds of that situation are there's like this hesitance, and it's yeah. like there's always a question. I didn't have that question. You know what no. I mean? I will say all of that though, and like, n- like feeling like, oh no, like, like yeah, these two are together and they're really into each other. That led to the their scene where he comes to visit her at at work, being Which that, that much really more powerful. Too. Yeah, that was that. Like, if you want to make an argument, like that scene is worth a nomination. Yeah, I will. I will agree with that. <laughs> Like that, that, that was really good, and it was really well done. And I was like, "You feel so bad," and you, I, I think it's the, it's funny. I don't like Ladybird. I like her in that scene. Well, she's an annoying seventeen-year-old girl. Right. You're not and, supposed to like her, right? And that's, but that's the only scene where I feel like, she, well, that, and then the other, the scene where she gets back together with her friend Julie. Like those are like the two times in the movie where I like the character. And but other than that, she's. I'm like I don't, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's part of the reason I didn't care for the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that the situations are in any way, shape, or form the same, but I still felt watching her some things that brought up um, specific feelings and memories for me um, from the past year or so going through my sister turning 18 and finishing high school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I could see a lot of the things thematically being quite similar to stuff that our family has gone through, uh, if not factually similar. Right. Um, So I guess it kind of, maybe that's part of why it resonated. Although I agree, I didn't like her, but I also kind of didn't like my sister. And (laughs) hey, gee, if you're listening, you already know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I mean, I love my sister. I just didn't really like her, you know? Yeah. Which, actually, that was a pretty big scene when they're getting the dress. And she says to the mother, like, do you like me? And she's like, I love you and this and that. And she's like, yeah, yeah. But do you like me? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I've i got two more notes I want to go through, and then I'll, I'll, I'll pass it off for you to finish up. But uh, one, this last note that I have on the bottom was... Um, I hate the shitty kids, especially Kyle. Yeah, he's bad. They're the worst. And I but and in that was also the reason why I was like, if this kid didn't deserve the award for calling by your name, he deserves it when you compare it to this role and the fact that he can jump between these two characters like really well and sell both of them perfectly. Well that was I guess part of the reason why it struck me Tracy Lett's performance in this, because He's such a dick on Homeland, and he was kind of a blusterer in the post. And this, he's just like this sweet, nice guy. Just like, wow, I've never seen him play anything like this before. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's it's talent. Um, yeah. The and the final note that I have, which I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on, I don't understand, and I maybe I missed something entirely. I don't understand the references to 9/11 and the year of year being 2002. 
Yeah, I mean, they didn't really matter, honestly. But it's brought up... It's brought up enough for me to have to note it down and ask. If it, yeah, it, um, I don't know what the point of that was because there didn't seem to be a point to it. Right, and it that bothered me, and I don't know why. It was just it, it just felt it was in my face in the scenes that it was in. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It felt like there was it. It was meant to be there for some unresolved thing that ends up not making it into the movie. Right. Because that is just being kind of almost. Not a throwaway joke, but like a throwaway theme. Yeah. It's like, it... oh, like, I don't want you going to the East Coast because, like, terrorism. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, like, that's kind of, like, low on the list of... It's not like 9 happening every other weekend. Like, it, like it right. happened once. It was... It, it, it was just very strange. And it was... It was one of those, like, jarring things that I was like, why, why is this coming up? And I'm thinking about it. Oh, maybe this will tie in somewhere. And then it doesn't. And I'm like, I... Huh. I didn't find it jarring, but I, like you, I also was kind of like, that's kind of odd. I, I don't yeah. know. Weird. Okay. Well, glad we're on the same page there. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know what the reference was about. But all right. Moving. Well, then that's that's it for me. Those are my notes. What you got? Anything uh, more you want to touch on? No, I was just, I was just trying to look over because the mom, Lori Metcalf, was really good in this, mm-hmm. and um, she's nominated, right? Yeah, I think so. Um. And I really don't know her from anything. Um, is she... She's the mom. She's Sheldon's mom, I think, in Big Bang Theory. Yeah, but I don't watch that. Well, then. Let's see. I'm um, double-checking. I guess the, the big thing she was is... I, I don't know this, but I'm just scrolling past and I saw it. Um, she was on, like, the whole run of Roseanne. She must have been one of the main characters. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and also, she was Andy's mom in the Toy Story movies. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, she is definitely yeah. She is nominated along with Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread. So let's just not talk about that. Move on. Alice, what would you say? That's the sister, right? The sister. Isn't that the sister in Phantom Thread? Oh, I, I think so. I think her name is um, what's her name? Yeah, that is the sister. Can't remember what her name was from that. Uh, Alice and Jenny from I Tanya, which I'm going to see tomorrow. Um, Mary J. Blige in Mudbound, and Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. And here's a here's a, a thing. I if you haven't seen Shape of Water, I I would encourage you to see it. I know you haven't seen it, so I would encourage you to see it. There's a very good reason why she is nominated for this role. Is she, it because she does all the speaking for the two women? Because one of the yes, movies? she fills all of the audio for conversations between multiple people by herself, and it's just it's not overbearing, and it's done so well, and it's done so naturally that I'm like, I get it. <laughs> like when I when I saw her name, I was like, yeah, like a hundred percent, like that. Like, for that skill alone in this movie was great, but she was also a really cool character. It feels like that's who that actress is. Like, she's that important cog that always needs to be there. Like, you know, she she helps just... She's the glue that holds everything together. Uh-huh. 
Um, I haven't really seen her in, in, in many things, but like, I'm aware of her being in a bunch of things. Um, it kind of reminds me of, you never, you've never watched BoJack Horseman, right? I tried. I couldn't get into it. Really? I really like that show. Well, I really like three of the four seasons of that show. Yeah. Um, the third season was super depressing, but the first season was excellent, and the newest season was excellent as well. Um, and she reminds me a little bit of the way they refer to Margot Martindale on that show. Um, she's like, do you know who Margot Martindale I is? I don't remember now. It's been too long. Well, not from that show. She's a real person, a real actress. Yeah. No, and I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. I know who that is. I don't know who she is on the show. Well, on the show, she's character actress Margot Martindale. And that's the oh, only, okay. that's the <laughs> okay. only way they ever refer to her is as character actress Margot uh, Martindale. I, okay, I do remember that. Every single time they talk about her, and she's the greatest character on that show ever. And she's a great actress and character in everything she's in as well, which is what makes it so great. But it's great because she always plays, it seems like she always plays like someone like uptight or something like that. And they just let her become a full-blown psychopath on BoJack. And it's her voicing herself, too, which is the best part about it. Like, right. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what Octavia Spencer's becoming. Is like She's becoming the new version of character actress Margot Martindale. Like she's just always there giving you that little bit of spice that you need to, <laughs> to get the whole like, dish working. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's true. That's so funny. But I, 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 again, though, the, she holds, the way that she holds the scene together and the way that she carries on a two-person conversation by herself but never making you feel like she's talking too much like it's it's really it, it's well done so you you got to check that out <laughs> yeah I, it's one of those movies that i'll definitely get around to at some point i just i probably won't see it in time for us to do a sure oscars relevant episode per that's, se. Fine. that's fine sweet you got anything else you want to uh touch on this was another a24 movie yep Yep, I remember seeing that. Um, other than that, I just there was some kind of cool cast stuff about this. A lot of people that I saw that I didn't know that I knew from other things. There's that one random dude who was like, I don't even know if he ever said any words, but it was like her new friend's boyfriend who was friends with Kyle. Like he was on a couple episodes of Fear of the Walking Dead. Hmm. I was like, I know that guy. I was like, see that guy from Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> Yeah, he was that guy who was on like three episodes. Great. What was okay. his, what was his name? Um, on the movie. Yeah. Or the character's name? If the actor's name. I think the actor's name. The last name was Kipling. I think. Or maybe that was his name in *Fear the Walking Dead*. Shit. Oh. Ah, I was gonna look him up, but that's fine. He was the. Uh, he was. Um. Uh, let's see if I can find him here. That him? That is him. No, it's not. I lied. <laughs> You're a liar. No, I, I unlied. Uh, it's Daniel <laughs> Zavato. What is it? Daniel Zavato. Daniel. He played Jonah Ruiz. Let's see who this sucker is. Um, he doesn't look very familiar to me. Well, that picture of him probably wasn't look familiar because I don't think he had a beard in the movie. Mm. Nor did he have a beard in Fear the Walking Dead. Well then. But he, I think he was still on the point where you were still watching that show. I tried to forget. Didn't you watch into the second season? I think so, unfortunately. You saw into the part where they were on the boat, right? Yes. Remember when they had the boat taken from them? 
he no he was the guy that i think i might have stopped before they get he was the guy that alicia was talking to on the radio okay i i remember that i don't remember the boat getting taken from them so yeah eventually they meet up with him they come and take the boat maybe i did see that oh yeah i did see that okay all right i remember i remember i just i i tried so hard to forget that i almost did hey speaking of walking dead this week's uh premiere was uh, one of the better episodes of the past few seasons. It yes, I I Which agree. Isn't saying much, but it was one of the better episodes. It was it was definitely better. Um, it definitely had the patented eighth season in your face shot for again too long. Well, for me, it's just that the episode was too long. Like that episode didn't need to be an hour and a half. No. No. Like, it, but there it was, it was, of it was a good episode, stuff though. In that episode, that it could have just been a standard episode length, and it would have been, it would have been a very yeah. solid episode. Yeah. Uh, Still too much filler. Definitely, but it, it was, it was better than a lot of other ones. But man, God, I hate that show. <sighs> I, I hate that. I'm like, I, I don't, but I can't stop watching it though. You know what it is? I don't let it, I don't let it own me. I took the power back. I'm gonna watch it on my time. Oh no! I'm not watching that. Time anymore. I do that as well. No, that's the thing is like me and like my family used to all sit down together and watch together. Well, my my big thing was I really want to watch Talking Dead live, but I've I've given up on that just because I that means I have to watch Walking Dead beforehand, and it's just not going to happen. So I'm there's no like okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a small rant here. Um, at the end of this episode, the advertisements on that channel we've talked about this at length and it is i wrote an article on it they're horrible the show can be and slotted for an hour long and be 37 minutes i think that i clocked it once at 35 i believe it's yeah like there was a, it was bad al it was bad and you know what's worse i think the minimum for an hour long is it's got to be like 40 it was really really bad <laughs> uh and here's another thing that bothers me it's Really dumb and probably shouldn't bother me and probably wouldn't bother me as much because I'm sure other shows do it and I just don't notice because I don't hate them as much. <laughs> but the fact that the AMC logo is on the bottom right of the screen, the entire show, like, I get it. I understand. You bought the property. Cool. Like, just, I got it. Like, I, we all know that this is AMC. Nobody, nobody doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so just remove the watermark and let's move on. But I feel like a lot of shows used to do it all the time, and then a lot of shows get into the thing where they're just like they occasionally flash it and then they fade it to black. You know what? That's more offensive. What? Putting it on the screen, any sort of animation related to the badge is worse than it being on the screen the entire time. No, because a lot of times they do it, it's very subtle. Mm, it's not subtle enough. Very visual person. When I see something move, my eye goes towards it. <laughs> so basically, you're a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they're they're one of the worst offenders that that station with the um, the upped volume on commercials. Oh, definitely, definitely. And it's just I'm like, what is happening right now? You're scaring me and my cats. <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> okay, first of all. Um, the last ninety seconds, we aged ninety years. Yeah, we. we I'm not sorry either. 
<laughs> We're complaining about logos of TV shows, volumes of TVs, and oh my gosh, your show startled my cats. These kids in these TVs are too loud these days. <laughs> anyway. Probably a good time to sign off. Let's get, let's get the hell out of here. So that's it for episode 35 of Flicks of the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. Check no. back in. What? Is it episode 35 already? It is 35. Continue. Don't correct me. <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because out of the corner of my eye, I saw session 27, and I was like, mm. no. Yeah. <laughs> so check back <laughs> in next week for more movie and beer goodness. If you want to keep the conversation going, I'm at AEJ Costanzo on the Twitter and, and the gram. Al is at Alessandro B1187. And until next week, cheers. <laughs>